That is, it's probably got to be one of the greatest joys as a pastor when you hear the little ones that are barely even able to speak and they're just learning words and they don't know when the right time is to say it, but when they start to pick up on when everybody says amen and, and they're the loudest one that says amen, it's just, it's just a special treat. I, I really enjoy it. Well, this morning, we're going to be talking about stewardship. And, and the reality of it is, is I would say that this is probably going to be a discussion for the entire month of February, really. And it's, I can't tell you how excited I am and how stoked I am to speak on the subject of stewardship. And one of the main reasons that I'm so excited about it is because of how it permeates everything that we do and understanding what stewardship is, uh, understanding what being a manager is, uh, and it, as it pertains to the Bible. So biblical stewardship, right? Those are the things that, that is important for me to remind myself but it's also from a Christian standpoint, it's important for all of us to understand this. The, the, uh, the New Testament word for steward is, it could be also translated manager. Same kind of difference. So you could be a, 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 a treasurer, which would be a manager of money. Because we're going to talk about this from, from lots of different angles. But in totality, it encompasses everything that we do. And it even goes down to the very fabric of mankind. And that's what we're going to actually talk about today. You go, what are you talking about? And, and I'll, I'll share with you what the scripture teaches and the lessons that it gives us. And it's, it's actually right there, ever present before us and, and, and before our eyes. And you go, huh. The Greek word in the New Testament is oikonomos, which is translated manager or steward. Not that that matters to you one way or the other. Some of you aren't Greek scholars and that's okay. But it's just for information purposes you have that. One of the other translations or one of the other definitions of that could be manager of the household. Idea of this is carrying the idea that a slave that is in, put in charge or a superior slave. That is a very, very important definition. An aspect of the definition. As we get into this, you'll, you'll begin to see and understand why a superior slave or a superior steward or superior servant why is that important well you've heard the terms don't forget where you came from right that's kind of an important one or you know we use the term at least i have in the oil field something done come right you know someone thinks they're bigger than they are right Oftentimes, they use terms like whistle britches. You know, here comes old whistle britches, right? You know, that's another term. Now, whether... <laughs> I'm just saying, those are just terms that someone thinks more highly of themselves than they are, right? And, you know, for those of you that... Pardon my sayings, because I am from Bakersfield, and I know some of you have never heard that, but if you hung out with me long enough... Yeah, you'll just learn to accept me for those things, okay? So I'll just ask that, okay? Um, some of you go, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. So we're on the same page. We're good to go, okay? That can't be the timer for me being done. 
Yeah. <laughs> I just started. So the superior slave, it's, it's a slave of tried character who looked after the accounts of a household, hence, and met those accounts. The Lord has placed this subject on my heart in such a way that it is probably going to take, like I said, the entire month of February. Now, ain't that a blessing right there? Okay. And so it's probably going to take the entire month of February to cover this subject. Really, because it gets down to the foundation and the basic principle of who we are as God's people. Our first endeavor will cover the practical understanding definition founded biblically. What does the Bible say about stewardship and what impact, uh, what important examples does the, the word provide us? Another subject to cover is biblical scope. What does it look like in the Bible, right? What is included in our stewardship? As servants, what are the most basic biblical examples given to us not only to understand how to properly execute according uh, to be a good steward, but how to execute according to what the scripture teaches us. So what is stewardship? What is that? How do we do this? What's the scope of it? The first example that I want us to look at goes all the way to the very, very beginning. In Genesis chapter one. So if you would turn there with me. So this is, this is what I would say mankind's first example of stewardship. We're going to skip ahead. Now, if you want, you can go back and read the beginning of the chapter in chapter 1 of, of Genesis, which is a very good thing to do. But you look at it and you go, look, he's starting about, he's creating mankind, he's creating the world as we know it exists today. The earth the sun, the moon, the stars, mankind, all the things that we can see, he's creating. So one of the things that's very, very important to be reminded of as a steward, as you all are stewards, is that God is the creator. Why is that important? Because sometimes we forget who we report to. Mankind as a whole has forgotten who they report to. Mankind does not have the understanding that every, every knee will bow at the name of Jesus Christ. There is an accounting. There will be a report back, even though it sounds great that I answer to nobody and then I can do whatever it is that I want. And we can to a certain degree while we live on this earth. You are correct. You can do anything that you want to do. It's called free will. Every one of you drove to church today because you wanted to. Not counting the children because whether or not, I don't know what kind of morning you had. Maybe it was good or bad. Kids sometimes don't get a choice. They come because it's just good for them, right? It's like eating your vegetables. <laughs> Hopefully, but I've seen it in our kids. Most of them love coming. But you look at it and go, okay. By free will, we choose these things. Verse 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image 
according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the every living thing that moves on the earth. And I'll stop there for just a moment. You look at the scripture that is said there is that mankind, this is the part that sometimes we as a nation lose sight of, that mankind is God's creation. Man, the, the, the testimony and the, 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 the fact that man walks this earth, and I say man, mankind, both male and female, as he says there, the fact that our feet hit the dirt, walk around, there's breath in our lungs, is a testimony of who God is because we are his creation. Amen? Mankind is his creation. We did not evolve from monkeys. We did not. It did not happen by accident. Way too complicated of creatures and way too complicated of ecosystems for us to evolve from an absolute accident. Impossible. That's another subject for another day. We can spend a lot of time talking about quantum physics and how it replicates and how you can begin to see Oh, it's not so random as we thought it was, especially at the atom level. And you can start going down there and you go, wow, there's a rhythm to even when we try to introduce chaos and a rhythm is established. And you go, how does that happen? Because of God. It's his creation. Mankind has a divine blueprint. Created, you and I have been created by God according to his design. We were made in his image, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We are a triune being. That's not by accident. That's on purpose. Oh. Not only did he just create us, he created us with purpose. And his purpose is actually very clearly seen in the scripture in just these verses that we just read there he says that he says according to them you're going to rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and the, the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth mankind has dominion and responsibility over creation do we not that is god Designed, God ordained. Now we get to talk about what good stewards are and how we do all that. That's we'll, we'll get into that in another point. That doesn't mean we get to run around this place and destroy it either. But the naivety of man that thinks that you can stop what God has created is foolishness. We can do a pretty good job of ruining it. <laughs> Which we can. So he tells them to rule over the creation. He also tells them in those scriptures to be fruitful and multiply. Create more of what I created. Create more of what I created. In other words, from God's vantage point, correct? 
Create more of what I the, the way that we create kids and the way that kids are born and the way that the next generation is formed is by God's design. He's placed us here on this earth. So one of the things that we must understand is that mankind has been placed here. We're divinely created. We're divinely created with a divine purpose and expectation of doing what he says to do. In its most basic form, that is a level of stewardship. He's entrusted us. He did not just entrust us with this life so that we could just bump along and not make any sense about it. He says, look, this is the design for you. I want you to follow this. He also tells them in chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2. We'll start there in, in verse 15. It says, Then the Lord God took man, took the man, and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The Lord had, uh, God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Then God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was no, not, not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on the man and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up that flesh at the place. The Lord God fashioned it into a woman, the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she is taken out of man. For this reason, man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. You look at that scripture there. He tells, tells him verse 15, he says, I put him in the garden to cultivate it and to keep it. That's responsibility, folks, is it not? He placed man and woman. He placed Adam and Eve, and we'll get to Eve here in just a moment because there's some really important things that take place. When you look at this and understanding the basic principle of stewardship, understanding stewardship on a level in any aspect in this life, our foundation for understanding our responsibility and stewardship properly is found within the four walls of your home. It starts at home. And that is not my responsibility for you, but that is your responsibility within your household. And it's important for us as Christians to recognize that. Why? Well, because our flesh and the way that this world works, it likes to confuse us and, and we don't understand that. And it's hard. Depends on, you know, if we come from broken homes which a lot of us do. We come from kind of challenging situations where you're like, well, my understanding of all that stuff is not real good. Yeah, you're probably right. Join the club. So is mine, right? And so is a lot of people's. And so what do we do? We go back to what the Bible says and start looking at it and saying, okay, here's what he talks about here. Anyways, he tells them to cultivate and keep it. 
Lord God commanded man from any tree of the garden you may freely eat, except from one. He says, you can have anything you want here, except for one tree. You can pretty much roam anywhere and everywhere that you want to go. Do whatever you want in this place, except for this one tree. Right? Don't go there. Don't mess with that thing. Stay away. This is the day that you eat in it, you will surely die. And we're talking about the fall of mankind, as we know, or the warning of the fall of mankind. But something important happens in verse 18. He tells him there, he says that then the Lord God said, it is not good for, for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, in the original design, God created, he created man first. But God in his infinite wisdom says, it's not enough. As you look, mankind was naming all the animals and naming all the creatures and naming all these different things. He said, I'm going to make a helper for him. Somebody that's suitable for him. And he created woman. He created what we would know as the marriage partnership. But he, he didn't create that solely just for the man. Although the man is a part of it. Where he says, hey, this is your helper. For what, though? To help man accomplish what he placed mankind down here on earth to complete and to fulfill. So he created the partnership. He created the marriage. He created it in such a way, and we'll get to it just here in a moment because there's really some important things that happen there. He creates, that, he creates that helper. He creates companionship because in the naming of the animals and all these things, establishing the dominion, it did not fulfill the man. And so he said, I, I, need, to, I need to create another creature. And so from the creation that he had, from mankind, he caused a deep sleep to fall over him, pulled a rib from his side, and, and fashioned the woman out of man. He did not create woman the same way that he created man, and praise God for that. It'd be a messed up world if it was we were created the same way. It'd be a far less children out there too. There'd be a lot less things accomplished, right? But he says, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Now, something interesting takes place when you look at this. For this reason, man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. It is a part of God's design. For man and woman to come together and become one flesh. Is it not? It absolutely is. Do we live in a world that is actively and has been actively attacking that design without a question? Some of you might say, it's, it, they don't really mean bad by it. Listen, if anybody is speaking to you contrary to what the word of God says, it is bad. It is from Satan. 
It's the slow whittling away of the things that you find in the scripture. You go, no, that's not what the scripture teaches me about a husband and a wife. And more importantly, that a husband and a wife have been placed down on earth to accomplish God's purpose, to fulfill his design, to be good stewards combined together to complete this task. Man and woman have been combined together to fulfill God's purpose. Amen. It's a beautiful design. It's divine. So you think about our marriages sometimes in our relationships. You go, is it just marriage or is it just a partnership? Oh, no. As a servant of God, it is something far greater than that. It is divinely designed and it is divinely ordered that it be this way. With a plan and a purpose to fulfill God's purpose and plan on earth. Now, popular scripture, you go, what do you mean? Well, look, Genesis chapter three, just a, just a chapter over. Some of you, it's just a page over. Something interesting takes place. In verse six of that chapter, well, verses one through six, it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And said to woman, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the tree of the garden, we may eat any fruit, of the, from the fruit of the tree, the trees, plural, of the garden, we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has says, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from it and ate and gave also to her husband with her and he ate. And I'll stop there for just a moment. I think we're all familiar with the fall of mankind in the garden. And oftentimes the woman gets the blame for this, do they not? Say, oh, because you hear it. You know, frequently, oh, because the woman took from the apple and ate. Uh, I don't think that's right. Blame is rightfully placed. Matter of fact, I think the scripture supports it. Because if you read verse 6, something interesting. She took from the fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband, and he ate. It almost sounds like he might have been right there with her. Might be a little supposition on our part. If he wasn't right there with her, he wasn't far. Now, if you remember correctly, who did God tell to not eat from the tree first? Who was it? It was Adam. Who did God create first? Adam. The woman was taken from man. The responsibility to make sure that that fruit didn't get eaten and that tree didn't get eaten come from pops, not mom. But yet here we have a scenario and a place where you're like, oh, my goodness gracious. 
familiar to all of us. And it says, the bo- then, then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together for themselves as loin coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid myself. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree, and I ate. I'll stop there for just a moment. What we have is the first example of a biblical excuse. That's what you have right there. That's your first example of a biblical, what I would say, a biblical example of an excuse. Let me say it that way. It's probably a better way of putting it, right? Well, that lady you gave, that helper you gave me, that helper you gave me, the helper you gave me took from it and I ate. That woman who was taken from man gave to me and I ate. He blamed Eve. Generally speaking, one lacking integrity likes to blame other people for their problems, don't they? Isn't that a fleshly thing that takes place in all of our lives? Some really important things that you can read is that the serpent deceived Eve. She gave also to her husband. Almost seems like he was right there with her. It wasn't far. Something that is in verse 8 says, They heard the sound of God walking in the garden. What does that sound like? Interesting. The thing that is hard for us to imagine and, and sometimes put together is that direct communication, mankind with direct communication of God has never happened since the time of the garden. From the time that they get kicked out of the garden, they need somebody to be an intermediary in between there. And for us as Gentiles, that's Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Without Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, we do not have access to God. Without Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, we reside in a position that we're foreigners to God. And this biblical lesson that we're talking about, stewardship, is foreign to us sometimes. We go, well, how do do we establish that? In verse 9, Satan talked to Eve. Two things are important. Now, Satan talked to Eve, convinced her, deceived her, and they both ate. But who does God talk to when he comes through the garden? He talks to Adam. The one in charge. That's exactly right. The man that was entrusted with the responsibility, the overall responsibility, the being, we'll just say that, the being that was entrusted with the overall responsibility. He didn't, don't you think God knew what they had done? Of course he did. Then if he knew what was done, then why didn't he go straight to Eve? He deals with Eve. 
Because the responsibility sits on Adam's shoulders. And Adam gives a loser's response. Oh, that helper you gave me. In other words, you know that helper that was divinely created and divinely designed? God, you know that you created for me? She's busted. I mean, that's kind of an audacious claim, isn't it? But in translation, in modern day terms, that's like the same thing. You know, that helper you gave me? In other words, that helper was no good. Problem ain't the helper. He did have a choice. He could have told her, hey, we're not supposed to do that. Stay away from that. Get back over here. There's a whole myriad of ways that it could have gone. But the, what is important is that the, 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 I want you to understand the two vantage points there is that Satan went after Eve. And when that happened, God came back and talked to Adam. He said, that is your responsibility. That woman you gave me, you know, that woman you gave me, she took from it and ate. Man, that's a bad excuse. But that's in our flesh nature. It's, it's, it's just how we are. We're wired that way. It is hard for us to take ownership of things that we know are wrong. It is easier to blame somebody or something else for our failures. Ownership is hard. Responsibility is hard. Being a good steward can be oftentimes very difficult. There's ups and downs in this whole thing that we call stewardship. Tells him in verse 12, he says, the man said to the woman, yeah, and then in verse 13, then, then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And he goes on and he curses her childbirth and says, hey, it's going to be a lot more painful for you now. It's going to be a lot more challenging. And one of the things he says in verse 15, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between the seed and your seed. He, he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. So there's going to be a problem between man and woman from that point on. In verse 17 Something really, really important. He prefaces that statement. Was eating of the fruit bad? Yes. But you look at her, she was deceived and ate. Eve, as it says in verse 13, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Because you've done this, right? Because you ate the fruit. But Adam's curse, he starts out with this. Then he said to Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten the tree about which I commanded you saying not to eat from it. I have I told I done told you to not eat from that tree. I told you not to. Because you listen to your wife. Is it a husband and wife thing? No, it's a creation thing. It's a being thing. It's a level of responsibility thing. This is where sometimes it gets a little off sometimes. Look, we, when God's placed families together, he's placed, he's placed husband and wife together, there is a responsibility that we both engage in. And it takes both to be successful. 
but they are not equal. The responsibility level is not equal. It is not. And anybody that says that it is does not understand what the scripture teaches. In Christian homes, it is the man's responsibility to lead spiritually speaking. That doesn't mean you overrule, you rule your family with the iron fist. That's not what I'm talking about. Matter of fact, when you understand what the scripture teaches, you understand that God has provided you a helper. It is your responsibility to listen to that helper, to use the helper, to be, to work together with your helper. Because you know that without her, your helper, it's virtually impossible to do it. So a man must fully recognize, a husband must recognize you are not designed to do it by yourself. You're not designed. And likewise, a woman, you're not designed to do it by yourself either. Can it be done? It can, but it's hard. Is it, is, does it happen all the time? It does happen all the time. Can it be done with, with great pain and without, you know, with great struggle? Absolutely. But is it a part of God's design? No. So how do you overcome those things? How do we do those things? Is understanding that responsibility level. He tells them because you listen to your wife and because you let her, her, her be deceived. And, and I, I will even say this, you know, something to think about is that because you stood by and watched it happen. You stood by and watched it happen. You husbands out there, if your wife is struggling with something and you know she is and you stand by and watch it happen, that's your fault. You own it. You own it. It is your responsibility to get out in front of it, find the help, do whatever is needed. Your children, the same thing. Your family, your household. It's your responsibility. We do it together as a family. But it's stewardship at its basic, most primal level, the most, the original design, the original creation. Because I told you to keep it, to cultivate it, and to procreate, to multiply. Why? Because the fulfillment of that, the fulfillment is the execution of, of the divine design and the reason and the purpose that he has placed us down here. If we do not understand this, this or if we have problems execute, look, and there's a scale of these things, right? I'll tell you this much. You know what I mean? It's it, the adage and the understanding that the archaic way that we used to do things in this country and in other places do it, still to this day to where the man, no matter what the man says goes, that's not how it works. If you ain't the spiritual leader in your household, if you're not out in front of your family, praying to God every day, reading the Bible, getting them to church and doing the things you cannot, you cannot exercise authority where you have no responsibility, where you have no accountability. Let me say it that way. My wife never listens to me. 
or this or that. My kids never listen to me. Maybe it's because they see your actions. And there's some cases where moms have to be both father and mother. And it can be done. Is it the way God originally designed it? No, but it can be done. But oh boy, is it hard. It is hard. And I personally think that's why you lean on the church. The church can help with those things. Brethren in the church. Leadership in the church. Mentorship. Things like that. The second point is understanding steward, the, the responsibility of stewardship and management. 1 Timothy chapter 2. So you think, man, how much more spit do you got? Not much more. I can tell you that much. First Timothy chapter two and verse 13 says, for it was Adam who was first created and then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman was being deceived, fell into transgression. But women will be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in the faith, love and sanctity with self-restraint. The reality of it is, is that I bring that scripture and it comes to my mind is, is that you go, well, you'd like to blame, and I could see why men would latch onto that and like to blame women for something. And ain't, that ain't why that scripture's used. That's not the reason and intent of those things. Is that a man has the greater burden of responsibility in the home. A lot of you have, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but think about all the shows in the last 30 years, all the funny sitcoms. What is the dad usually portrayed as? A bumbling idiot. Is he not? Tremendous amount of shows. One of the shows that I used to love greatly was uh, Modern Family, but I don't watch it anymore. But Phil Dunphy plays the best idiot I've ever seen in my life. But that's what his role was in that show. And then it got a little too political and I had to stop watching it. But personally... But they've been doing this for a long time. So what, what does that matter? Why would, why would we want to dumb down the dad to devalue his place and position and role in the, in, in the church? Or, sorry, in the family and thereby diminish that role in the church as well, also in the community. There's this idea and concept out there that... that Groups of people should be raising your children. Groups of people should not be raising your children. That is our responsibility as parents to do that. That doesn't mean you solicit help and don't do those kinds of things and join groups and all that great stuff. That's not what I'm saying. But at the end of the day, that's us. That's mom and dad's responsibility. That's our stewardship. You look at those things, you say, man was, uh, uh, Adam was created and then Eve. We talked about it earlier that Eve was created differently than the way Adam was created. But yet they're still both divine creations. 
I want to emphasize that they were created differently, but still divinely created. Does that make one more important than the other? Absolutely not. That makes them actually intertwined. But as a man leaves his mother, he clings to his wife. Different accountability and different responsibility levels. Both men and women are essential in the administration and stewardship and fulfillment of the godly designed creation. It's a part of his design. Saying one's more important than the other is a fruitless argument. They're both equally important. They just have different responsibility levels. The biblical understanding of stewardship goes all the way back to the creation and formation of mankind. Earth and its intended purpose. Understanding this and fulfilling this is the key to building biblically based homes. And for some of us, we have to unlearn. If you're anything like me, okay, if you're anything like me, I'm still unlearning some of the things that I learned as a child. I did not grow up in a biblically sound home. I grew up in an okay home. I'm not saying anything bad about it. I'm just saying that it just, it was not that way. And so what we have to do sometimes is we have to unlearn what the world teaches us and unlearn what, what our flesh has learned already and then instill what the word of God says and start putting it into practice into our lives and start interjecting it into our homes. I'll even say this, just because you were raised in church does not mean you have a good understanding of what I talked about today. For Pete's sake, for 40 years, we weren't allowing women to pray in church or the last 50 years or whatever it is. You start thinking about things like that or we still get, you know, in certain churches, you know, like, wait, hold on a second. Wait, where does that come from? Society and things like that, right? It takes a while to undo some of those things. We allow in churches, we've allowed over the years where men are weak leaders in their home, but we promote the weak leader as a leader in the assembly. What? Why would you do that? Well, because he can actually speak. No, that's not how that works. But we do it. Understanding this and fulfilling this is the key to building biblically based homes, churches, communities, and nations. But understand that biblically based homes, churches, communities, and nations. Anything contrary to this tears at the fabric of Christianity and God's original design. And there's hope for us because, like I said, you know, there's a lot of us. We've got to unlearn some of the things that we've we talked about a a because of our experiences and because of the situations that we're in and wherever we're at. The, the beauty of this is it's it's dynamic. 
And understanding these things are dynamic. It's the point of it is, is what we want to do is once we begin to understand what that stewardship looks like and as we begin to understand our roles and our responsibilities, because at the end of the day, I covered this. Whose creation are we? We're God's creation. The man is not the boss of the home. He's merely the steward. Because the boss is whom we report to. Does that make sense? Mankind reports to God. Just like you see in that interaction in the garden. Yes, we're aware that, one, that, that Eve ate and was deceived and gave to her husband. But God went to the man first and said, what happened? He went there. Why? Because he was responsible for it. All this, this fleshly things that happened to us that, I, by God, I'm in charge because that's the way it is. It's not the way the scripture teaches. Our homes, our families, our children, we have moms and dads. Listen to me. We are in this thing together. It is our responsibility as moms and dads to not only raise them up to be good upstanding citizens, which I hope we, we, we do, right? Good church members, amen to that, right? But God-fearing Christians, that's part of our responsibility. The other part of that is to create the home where that can be accomplished. Once we create the home where that can be accomplished, we create churches where that is accomplished. And when we create churches where that's accomplished, we create communities where that's accomplished. And it starts going on and on and on and on. And it's counterculture. I understand that. It's counter to whatever the world would have you to believe and teach. The reality of it is, is there is no method other than chaos to the world. This is not chaotic. It's sound and it's simple. It's important for us to understand what those things are. As the pianist comes forward, when we think about these things, we may sit back and go, I don't even know the slightest on how to do this. Well, the point of it is, is that we, we just got to ask the Lord, Lord, please show me through your word, through your scripture, through your spirit. Show me how to do this, how to become better at this. It's, look, folks, this isn't a flip the switch overnight kind of thing. This is one of those things that it takes time. We got to give the Lord the opportunity to be able to do it. We give him the opportunity and we begin to give the, the first step in this whole process. And it's important for us, especially when you get to the New Testament, is you got to give your give your life to the Lord. Because the world would would love to keep you in a state of chaos, a state of constant turmoil. A state where you don't understand what's right or wrong, where this book tells me this and that book tells me this. This show tells me that and that show tells me this. Well, there's something out there and you're, you got it sitting in your lap today. It's right here. The word of God will smooth out all of that. You just got to give your life to him. Doesn't mean he takes out all the, all the bumps, but he helps you navigate the bumps. To get through those things. We all start at different places. The point of it is, is that we start. We start to execute. Will we ever be perfect beings? No. The answer to that is no. Not until he comes back and redeems us. But he rewards the work, the effort. 
because he sees you're trying. He sees that it, it means something to you, that, it, that you're trying to impart these things in your families. And that's where the real beauty takes place because we allow him to work and his spirit to infiltrate our lives and infiltrate our homes and bring a peace like no other. As we sing.